Do you spend hours in your head thinking about something that happened, could have happened, or might happen? Do you ask others what to do so you don't make a mistake? Welcome to the Playing It Safe podcast. I am Dr. Z, your host. I am a clinical psychologist, an author, and a person that is super passionate about sharing with you science-based skills to overcome any type of fear-based struggles. Who doesn't experience fear? Who doesn't play it safe? In this show, we will discuss how fear-based reactions happen in day-to-day life, how playing it safe behaviors look like, sound like, and feel like, how you can put into action solid tips from behavioral science to get unstuck from worries, fears, obsessions, and anxieties, and how you can start doing what works, what matters, and what you care about. Behavioral science doesn't have to be boring. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. Have you ever wondered how does a world champion professional athlete manage anxieties, worries, comparison thoughts, or thoughts about giving up? Well, in this episode, I had a true pleasure of interviewing Sonia Looney. Here's what I can tell you. This episode is full of golden nuggets on managing skillfully rumination, self-doubt, shame, values-based strategies, and comparison thoughts, and much, much, much more. On a personal note, I want to say that Sonia's enthusiasm, passion, love, and insights are just contagious. So make sure that you listen to this episode from the beginning to the end. And If you are interested on acceptance and commitment focused coaching for any ineffective playing it safe move or anxiety-based struggle, make sure to go to the website eastbaybehaviortherapycenter.com. Again, the website is www.eastbaybehaviortherapycenter.com. If you live outside of California, we're offering online coaching services. Okay, without further ado, let's jump onto the conversation with Sonia. Have a great day and see you next week. Bye-bye. How did you learn that training less hours helps you to give your best? I'm asking because in the information era, in the hustle culture, we all get exposed to messages of do more, work more, hustle and hustle and hustle. But here you are saying, actually, when I train less hours, I am at my best for the competition. How was your process of learning that? It's like the kid touching the hot stove. I had to touch the hot stove a few times. So I've overtrained multiple times and and not felt good. And also, um, I've worked with coaches and I actually coach myself because every time I've worked with a coach, well, in cycling, I coach myself. I do have a running coach, but every time I've coached myself in cycling, the mm-hmm. coach gave me too much intensity and I would always be tired and I wouldn't feel very good. So it was by learning, by doing, seeing, doing more wasn't actually helping me. And then by taking on multiple identities and projects in my life. So it's not all my eggs aren't all in one basket that made it so I couldn't train, you know, 20 hours a week or whatever it was. And I remember thinking I was surprised training, you know, 10 to 15 hours a week that I was actually doing well at races. And I still have to remind myself of that because a lot of times, you know, you hear about focus on the process and that is very important to focus on the process, but people get too fixated on having a perfect process. 
Oh, of so I'll give you an example of that. So I have a three and a one-year-old, which means that mm-hmm. our family gets sick a lot. And sure. as a professional athlete, especially endurance sports, like you do everything to avoid getting sick. Like some of these COVID protocols that, you know, people do, we were doing that long before COVID because when you get sick, it means you can't train. And then that's a huge setback. So I had this big race that I was going to in April and I had a very specific set of training that I wanted to do leading up to this race that I thought was Mm going to be very key to me doing well at this race. Well, I got sick and I couldn't train for two weeks. So my most important time to train for the race, I couldn't train. And Mm -hmm. I had to decide, do I still want to show up for this race, knowing that I didn't do the work that I wanted to do. And ultimately I looked at my values and I said, well, what are the other things that I'm going to be getting out of this race? It's not just a race result and it never is just a race result. So that's why, and how I had the courage to go sign up for this race. And I ended up winning the race. So I, you know, I thought it has to be a certain way. Otherwise I'm not going to perform. And I think a lot of us think that like my preparation or the way that I do something has to match how somebody else has done it, or it has to match exactly how it was in the past, but it takes flexibility to realize that, Hey, sometimes it's not going to look the way that it used to look. And that doesn't necessarily mean that I can't show up and be at my best. Sometimes adapting to the context that is in front of us to our situation is hard because we hold with white knuckles to how we wanted things to be. And the mind will start to ruminate I didn't supposed to get sick. Why did I get sick? What happened here? Mm -hmm. I can't believe this is happening to me because Mm -hmm. there is a mismatch between what is and what the mind was hoping it will be. How did you navigate through that? How did you tell your mind, okay, I need to move on here? Having acceptance of the emotions has been something Mm -hmm. that I've had to work on over the years. So I'm disappointed Mm -hmm. right now. And and, and telling my husband, like telling somebody, I, I wish that it was different, but I, I can't control this. So now I have to make the best of it. And then when the ruminative thoughts come up of, oh, you know, this and that, or like, I wish it was this way, or then I actually, um, so in meditation, I've learned a, a technique called thought labeling, and that's been mm, so helpful lovely. in my life. So when I catch myself starting to ruminate, whether I'm mm. in the middle of a race or, or any time. I just try and label it as, you know, thinking or worrying. And that actually helps take away the power of that rumination. And and I I make it sound like it's easy and it's perfect. And it's not like, there's lots of times where I get stuck in a thought loop or where I label a thought and it doesn't go away. Or I talk about it and it's hard for me to let it go. Yeah. It's so cool that you learn the skill through meditation. For us as act coaches, act therapists, people that practice acceptance and commitment therapy, we call it diffusion. Every time you're noticing and you're naming your thoughts. Um, Sometimes we do compare ourselves with others. I should be doing like them or they are better than I. How do you manage those comparison thoughts as they pop up? Yeah, I mean, I think this is a huge challenge, especially in sports, because there's a wonderful website that I love called Strava. And people can post their bike ride or their run. And it has all of these different segments in your town and it ranks you against everybody else. And you can also see how much everybody else is training. So whenever you compare to other people, you always, most of the time, you're not going to feel good about yourself. Or if you are feeling good about yourself by comparing yourself to other people, that's not, that's kind of dangerous on your self-esteem because now it's contingent upon what somebody else is doing. Mm -hmm. And also comparing yourself to a previous version of yourself can be can be a kind of a sketchy thing because like I, with some of the athletes I work with, they think, well, I should be as good as I was, you know, 15 years ago when I had a different set of inputs and a different set of priorities. 
Mm-hmm. And I asked them, well, is it fair to make that assumption that you should be the same as you were whenever you are a completely different person with different priorities right now? So in terms of comparison and expectations, look at the last, you know, three to six months and make, make a judgment or an expectation based on that, not on wh- who you were 10 years ago or what somebody else is doing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes, even though we're doing our best to be flexible with the context that is in front of us and flexible our path, the mind still plays tricks and tells you, you know what? You have to actually train more. You should do more. And you say, well, I have an extra hour. I could train a little bit more. How do you manage those urges to go back to these old behaviors as over-prepared and over-training? Um, I think about Goodhart's law, whenever a target becomes a measure, it's no longer a good measure. I might've quoted it wrong, but an example of this would be, you know, somebody is going to go out for a bike ride or a run and they think, well, it's, I I ran 5.75 miles. Let me just round it out and make it six miles. Mm -hmm. But is that extra quarter mile quality training? Are you just doing it to hit a number? So I always think about what is the quality of my actions And if I'm just doing it to hit a number because it looks good online or or it feels better to myself, then that might not be a good reason to go after that. So that's an example of how to focus on the quality of the actions. And sometimes I've, I've actually forced myself to go home and not have a rounded out number or not have it be, you know, not like perfectly nice because then you realize like, okay, I'm, I'm fine if it's not perfect. Mm -hmm. And Yeah. I mean, we do go back to our old patterns and our old habits and the overworking one, like in my training, I I feel like I'm pretty good at, at having good perspective on that because how you feel physically is actually an easier marker than how you feel mentally. And whenever Mm -hmm. you overwork, you have mental fatigue that impacts how you feel in your life. And that's a little bit more insidious and harder to pick up than the feelings of physical fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. Sometimes we're overly attached with our outcomes hmm. or with past successes and we have to talk a little bit about this in previous exchanges what happens when a person is defined by those successes by winning x number of marathons by winning all these competitions how do you handle that for yourself what has worked for you I actually don't do a very good job of this. I'm somebody that dismisses my accomplishments and belittles Mm. them and doesn't let Mm. them land. And it's something that I always am working on, but I've been world champion. But to me, when I say that out loud, like it just doesn't even seem that it's real. Or I find some way to say, well, it's not, it's not the Olympics or it's not, you know, just belittling my accomplishment. So for me, it would actually be better if I could look at my achievements and, and let them land a little bit more so that I'm not always trying to grab for more. Mm -hmm. And with that, I've learned that whenever we're trying to achieve something, we're trying to feel a certain way. If I achieve this, now I'm going to feel like I'm enough. Now I'm going to feel worthy because I know that when I achieve the thing, I'm not going to feel the way that I'm looking to feel. And Mm -hmm. that's taken me probably a decade to learn that. And I still, I still love reaching for goals, but reminding myself that I'm going to reach for this goal but when I get there, I'm not, it's not going to be this wa- this feeling of fulfillment washing over me that now my life is finally complete because, mm-hmm. because those achievements, like I said, don't land in that way that I want them to land. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm looking at this with the apt lenses, right? I want feelings to come and go like waves in the ocean, right? Like I don't have much control of what I feel. Let me switch gears a little bit. A couple of months ago, I interviewed Alex Hutchinson. Mm-hmm, yeah. He wrote a book, Endurance. 
And it was super interesting because we chat a lot about the difference between accepting and cognitive challenging your thoughts. Mm-hmm. In the context of engaging in physical intense activities, like riding your bike, swimming, when your mind tells you, I'm tired, I'm too fatigued. There is a whole discussion in the field of psychology about when accepting thoughts is more doable or not than cognitive restructuring. Cognitive restructuring would be saying things like, am I really, really, really tired right now? What's evidence of this? What's evidence against? Or I have trained for this before, so I should be able to do this. And acceptance of the thought is like, I'm noticing the thought, I'm feeling tired. I'm noticing my heart is beating fast. I'm having shortness of breath. So how do you manage that? I think it it depends. Um, But I would say primarily with pain, because whenever you're pushing yourself, it hurts and there's there's good pain and bad pain, right? Like if you're injured, you probably shouldn't be pushing through that pain. But whenever you're pushing yourself, like your legs are burning, you're breathing hard, like you feel the, the difficulty of the hill or maybe the frustration of the downhill if things aren't going the way that you want them to. I used to try to make myself separate from the pain to say like, mm-hmm. oh, like ignoring, I'm going to ignore this pain or whatever. But then I was doing this interval workout last year and I had an epiphany. And as, instead of saying I am separate from the pain, I'm going, I'm going to go straight into the center of that pain. And it doesn't mean that I want to feel more pain, but the acceptance of the pain as this is, this pain is me and that's mm-hmm. okay. And I, I welcome it in that actually really helps me whenever I'm struggling out there. And then, you know, from a psychological perspective, if I'm out there and I'm suffering and it's hard. And I also say, this is what I signed up for. If you have Mm. an expectation that you're going to show up and it's going to be easy. The reason why people love doing endurance sports is because it is hard and you're going to experience every emotion out there in a very short period of time. And it is such a great way to experience life in a really, um, almost controlled environment so that you can go back to your daily life. And you remember when you experience that extreme high or that extreme low, or that concern, or that disappointment, knowing you got through it. Mm-hmm. And that is why I can, te- like, I've been racing for 20 years and a lot of people yeah. eventually will retire because it's a, it's a lot of work to train and race, but I don't race anymore for the number one reason of winning races. I mm-hmm. race because I want to go back to that place whenever I'm out there of this hurts. Can I keep going? Who am I in this moment? Who am I at the finish of this thing? Cause I'm going to be different. And who am I as the person who, who makes time to train for these events? So not separating from those things instead of, and, and then I have one more comment and then I'll let you um, dig in there. So some of the things that you described, whenever I'm out there, am I focusing inward on my heartbeat on how fast I'm breathing, or am I trying to distract myself, you know, looking outside, looking at the, the view or thinking about the finish line or thinking about the past and a lot of times I'm associating whenever mm-hmm. I am out there, but there are moments where things are not going well. If my heart rate seems like it's too low or my legs hurt really bad. If I stayed in that space too long, worrying about that, it helps me to shift my focus to something else. And then eventually I'll come back. So being able to choose when you're associating and separating when that might serve you is really helpful. That's a very interesting micro skill in the moment, right? So when will be, um, that criteria for you to separate a little bit, to distance yourself from the pain. It's whenever things aren't going well. Okay. <laughs> like if, if I am going and, um, maybe I just went too hard at the start and my legs are okay. now not doing very well. 
I remind myself I'll probably come back around. And if I don't, that's okay. But if I continue to focus on that feeling and it gets worse and worse and worse, then, and, and I start worrying because it's worse, my legs feel bad. I wonder how long this is going to last. Well, I guess that, that the rest of the race isn't going to go well. I guess I'm never going to race again. Like (laughs) those thoughts come up. So if I'm associating and then I start thinking about it in that way, that's not going to help me perform. So I say, okay, this isn't working for me. And I usually switch to gratitude. Actually, how can I look around me and be grateful for other things aside from how well or how good I feel? So who is around me and can I talk to them? Can I like build, you know, some spark and some, some energy with someone racing around me? That's a super cool skill. And one of the things that we teach to clients and also that I practice myself is to pay attention with intention. It's like attentional Mm -hmm. switching, right? We can intentionally choose to focus on something different. The other variable that comes with fear and anxiety at times is this fear of success. The mm-hmm. fear actually of becoming a national champion and then you are scared about what's going to happen to you. Um, have you ever thought about that? Have you witnessed that in other people in your work as a coach and how do you navigate that? To be honest, I, I haven't experienced that or I haven't really seen that in my circles. It's more not wanting to celebrate your success and not wanting to tell people about your success. So you still want to achieve, you know, become a national champion or get that promotion. But then after you get it, you don't want to seem like you're bragging about it or you you dim your light a little bit because you don't want to make somebody else feel be- like I do this all the time and I'm trying to be more aware of it is I don't want to tell people about my accomplishments or the things that I've done because I don't want them to feel like they didn't do that in their life or that they're judging themselves because they don't match up to the things that I've done. And I want them to Mm -hmm. see me as just a a normal person instead of as all of these things that I've accomplished that they may or may not ever achieve in their life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you have a sense of why your mind will go there? What is your mind trying to protect you in those moments? That's a good question that I've actually never thought about. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just conditioning. Uh, maybe Mm -hmm. it's like, Females aren't really, you know, taught to just go around and talk about our accomplishments and, and that type of thing. So I've actually been, been working on, and my husband is a very supportive, great person in my life. And he said, no, you can tell people about these things without bragging because we moved to a new neighborhood, uh, a new, a new town in a new neighborhood two years ago. And Mm -hmm. I've made friends with a lot of my neighbors, but I don't really talk about my career. I don't talk about any of my accomplishments but they'll look me up online and they'll find out. And then they'll actually be upset that I didn't tell them, but I don't really know a way to tell them about some of the things that I've done. Like, it just feels weird just randomly bringing it up. So it's also like the context, like, how do you talk about your successes in a way that isn't you trying to say, look how awesome I am. And it Mm -hmm. also, it also might be that I get annoyed by certain people who are talking about how great they are all the time but there's a way to do it and there's a way not to do it. And I guess that I don't really know the right way to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. Thank you for sharing that as it is in your life. Um, as you are training and racing and these physical sensations sometimes can be very intense mm-hmm. that they're pushing you to pause or you have a flat tire and there is no <laughs> way that if you will replace that, that you will make it. When things go south, you didn't expect it, you didn't plan it, and you put all the effort. How do you manage those moments of imperfections, unpredictability that show up 
when you have put your heart in that training. Yeah. I mean, when those things happen, it's totally disappointing and really frustrating. So I think number one, going back to labeling that emotion, that's really, yeah. this is really frustrating for me right now. I've done everything I can in this moment. This thing that happened is out of my control, or maybe it's not, maybe you actually made a mistake and mm -hmm. things, like that happened to me at national championships one year. Like I just, I didn't plan, um, the, my food and water accordingly. And I ended mm -hmm. up feeling bad because of it. And I, I didn't get the result I wanted that I was capable of because of that. So I think it comes down to self-compassion actually of saying like, mm -hmm. I made a mistake and everybody makes mistakes and it's okay. And that can be hard in the moment to say, it's okay that this happened. It doesn't mean that you accept that. It, like you don't have to accept it in the moment, but it's not going to be helpful in the moment. If you start beating yourself up or trying to fight what happened, it's, I got to fix this thing and I just got to keep going. And next time I'm going to learn from this, or maybe next time I'll be a little bit luckier. And then there's that common humanity piece of this happens to everybody at some point, like a mountain bike racing. Hopefully I'm all nervous talking about flat tires with my races coming up, but like <laughs> people get flat tires. Like it's part of racing. Um, people get lost on the race course. That is part yes. of racing. Like you don't want those things to happen, but yeah. knowing that eventually it's going to happen to you. And hopefully it doesn't happen at your, at a key moment in a key race, but that does happen to people and accepting that that is part of the risk. So you're approaching this with a growth mindset, right? If it happens, I will adjust. Sometimes people are going to self-blame. Like it's my fault. I should have done this better. And they keep ruminating on that. If you have work with any client, I'm going to self-blame because a mistake they did, which is human, but they hold on to that with white knuckles. What would you encourage them to do? I mean, I don't know, to be honest, I would say talking, maybe talk to somebody around you. Cause I, I, I will do this sometimes, like, especially around my kids. If something happens that may like, maybe I could have prevented them from, from falling or having that thing happen and, and taking on too much responsibility for things. So, you know, even just talking about it is helpful instead mm -hmm. of just leaving it in your head or writing it down. Or if I, if there was something in my control that I could have done better, how can I do it better next time? Now, sometimes people are overly attached to the fact that one failure equals that life is over. Mm -hmm. If you lose this training or you lose that championship, it somehow means that your career is over. How do you manage that when we're overly identified? with a mistake that we did or something went wrong and we think that everything is gone for us. Yeah. I mean, I think, are you, oh, are you over identifying? And this is something that I actually talk about a lot saying I am a failure is saying something completely different than I made a mistake. Yeah. And if you say I am a failure or, you know, a number of things that you can say, I'm, I'm not very good at this. Like maybe you mm -hmm. just had a bad day. Like, so if you catch yourself saying those things, I am something like in resilience, like the ABCs of resilience, like A mm -hmm. is your adversity, B is your belief about that adversity. And then C is the consequence about that belief because saying, even saying I am successful, I am a winner. Like there's danger mm -hmm. to doing that too, because that might make you afraid to show up next time. Because what if you don't win? Or what if you're not as successful as successful next time? Because guarantee you won't be successful every single time you line up and go after something. That's right. That's right. Because in some way we want to avoid being over identified with our thoughts. Like I am this, I am that. We're more containers of all those thoughts. Time goes so fast. I have one last question. 
If you were to have a cup of tea or coffee or a beer or a scotch or a delicious green juice, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who would that be and why? Oh my gosh, this is always such a difficult question when I hear people ask it because I never know the answer. Um, <laughs> There's no perfect answer. It's not right answer. And it, it's probably different every single day. Uh, yeah. Honestly, probably this guy named Judd Brewer. Like I've talked to him multiple times Ooh, yes. on my podcast and I love his books and he likes mountain biking as well. So I I'd rather like, I, I'd love to just, I like meeting people that are kind of close I, and yeah. just that I can learn from. And I feel like I've learned a lot from him. That is really, really, really cool. Well, that will be a juicy conversation between the two of you. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, thank you. Thank you so much. It's very helpful to hear your input, your insights, how you manage some of these planet safe moves. And I hope I can bring you back in the podcast again. I'd love that. Thanks so much. And yeah, people should listen to our episode so they can hear all of your wisdom on our pod- on my podcast. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, I will very much appreciate it if you will subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. And if you're feeling extra generous, I welcome a review on Apple Podcasts. Show notes of this episode are in the website playingitsafe.zone. Make sure to subscribe to my newsletter so you can receive more tips to stop all types of unworkable playing it safe actions. See you soon!